What's going on, everybody, and welcome into another edition of Be Shafe Daily. My name is Brendan Schaefer, alongside with you, breaking down some Cardinals baseball. The date is Sunday, March 7th, as St. Louis has played a couple of games since we last spoke with one another. Had a game Friday night at Ballpark of the Palm Beaches when the Cardinals took on the Washington Nationals. That was the start for John Gant. Probably not the outing that he would have liked to have had. Once again, became a Cardinal starter to have a first inning rolled over, not completed, or he's taken out of the game. In this case, they just rolled the inning over. Uh, went into some deep counts in that first inning on Friday, did Gant. Was facing a pretty good group from Washington. Trey Turner, Starlin Castro, Juan Soto, and Josh Bell were the first four in that lineup. And Turner... He got him. Soto, he got him after a, another really good long battle. But then a walk to Josh Bell, and it was actually Alex Avila who got him for a three-run homer. And so from there, that basically kind of, I think, ended the inning. I don't even know if they allowed him to face anybody else. That was, you know, the pitch count situation that we've seen some of the other starters get into, where Adam Wainwright really has been the only guy to finish a first inning among the Cardinal starters. And then Adam Wainwright again today on Sunday, did it again, looked really good. We'll get into his outing a little bit after we kind of recap a little bit of Friday's game, mentioning John Gant as a starter. He's somebody that's trying to compete for a spot in the starting rotation, uh, but I it's going to be kind of interesting to see how many spots, I guess, are available in that rotation because we're getting more Miles Michaelis news on Sunday when he was supposed to have thrown his bullpen session, and that didn't even happen on Sunday on the backfields at Roger Dean Stadium. So, Miles Michaelis continues to be on this trajectory that is kind of confusing. The Cardinals continue to downplay it. They think he's going to be in a good spot, but at, at some point, push will have to come to shove, and you'll be getting closer to opening day and ask today whether he was on a path to where he could still be on the opening day roster. Mike Schilt said, you know, he's not the opening day starter, so it's not really... A concern whether he's ready by April 1st. And with the off days in that first week, if you look at the Cardinals schedule, you could see potentially an opportunity for him if, if he's the fifth guy to go in the rotation. They might not need him until seven, eight, nine days later. So it's possible that they could figure out a way to nurse Michaelis along on this path that he's on. And he could be able to be a part of that 25, 26, whatever it is, man roster to start the season. But he'll just get pushed back a, a little bit and you might see Jack Flaherty or somebody else take multiple starts, which if Flaherty's the guy for opening day, which he is, he's been announced as such, um, I don't know exactly that the Cardinals are going to want to put him on such suddenly a, a rigorous schedule after last year skipping starts and limiting his starts and things like that. So out of the gate, I'm not sure if he's the right guy. So I don't know exactly how, how well that will, idea would work to go with a four-man rotation for a little while. But bottom line is Miles Michaelis, you know, all these other guys are at least getting into games. It's not that they're throwing very many innings or pitches or performing particularly well, but at least they're getting that game experience. Whereas Michaelis, uh, is it an injury? You know, is it, is it recovery, soreness? It's kind of unclear, honestly. And Mike Schultz gave the most information on Sunday that he'd given all spring about the situation, saying, you know, after the, the forearm procedure that Michaelis had last August, he's recovering, working his way back. And after he throws and, you know, goes through his, his program, it's not been an issue with the elbow. It's not been an issue with the forearm. You would think with the forearm situation, 
that could be something that progresses up to the elbow and becomes Tommy John. We talked about that last week that when Michael is, you know, this whole situation first came about, it was like, is that something that could be in his future? Well, according to Schilt today, and in, in all we have is the information that, that we're, you know, that we're given from the manager, and he says, you know, it's not the elbow, it's not the forearm. Those areas are actually responding well and, and looking good, uh, and it's not something they're even looking at. But the phrase he used today was a creaky shoulder. Or to be more precise, he said it's something a little creaky with the shoulder. And then he went on to say not anything that structurally they're finding wrong. I assume, you know, imaging and things like that have probably been done because Michaelis has been on this path where, you know, we're into the Grapefruit League schedule at this point. We're going the second time through the rotation, and he's yet to even really throw at all as far as off a mound. You know, he's, he's we saw him throw a bullpen session. I mentioned this on the podcast before, back, you know, close to a couple of weeks ago, whatever it was early days of, of spring camp before games began saw his bullpen session where he just didn't he wasn't throwing 100% he period was not and asked him about it later he said that it was because he was just working on some location things and just you know it wasn't it was intentional the the things that he was doing to not you know rear back and go all the way so that's fine but then maybe there was a, a live bullpen session that was on the backfields that we didn't have access to, or I at least didn't see it. And so after that, maybe the shoulder starts responding, maybe not so well. Uh, that's a possibility. And, you know, anytime there's a guy dealing with something physically in the conversations with the team and you're doing all of this on Zoom, the Cardinals, understandably, are going to do what they can and are going to phrase things in a way to to err on the side of you know caution. They're not going to tell you, yeah, he's this is what's going on, and, and we we don't think he's going to make it. We think he's going to be you know out for the year. You know they're never going to say anything like that. And so fan frustration absolutely is a factor when it always seems like, well, gosh, they're talking about it's fine, it's fine, it's fine, and then suddenly a guy's out and and, and needs surgery or something like that. You know that's kind of the way it was with Michaelis last year, back in spring, and then in summer camp. It, you know, but. Naturally, the teams are going to want to take the less invasive route. They're going to want to try to get it figured out before they shelve a guy for the season. And so that's the way they handled it last year with Michaelis. And Schilt talked about it today saying, you know, we thought based on his history and based on what we were looking at that we could go a less invasive route. Obviously, it didn't work out that way, and he had to have the procedure to end his season. But now we're coming into a new season, and we're looking at potentially a different area of the of the body, the shoulder. And again, if it's soreness, if it's injury, what you know, it's it's not totally clear exactly what it is that Michaelis is dealing with, but but they want to see the recovery and they want to see, you know, him be able to throw pain free is something is a, a phrase that has been uttered within the last week. So that would imply that there has been some pain at some point in time during his recovery. Now, when we got a chance to talk to Michaelis, he talked about, you know, the different soreness and stuff like that. And in his mind, in the way he describes it, it's, you know, it's just, I'm pitching again. I haven't really pitched and tried to ramp up legitimately for a season successfully in quite a while now because he he missed the entire 2020 season. And so it really wasn't since the end of 2019 when he was already dealing with some, you know, some issues with his forearm that, that fall, you know, September, October. That's kind of when they first discovered some issues and tried to begin the process of working through all that. So from his perspective, he hasn't done this in a while, and so that's understandable. And that's kind of the way the Cardinals are looking at it right now. Like, you know, it, it's not doomsday. It's not, 
his season's over. They're still working through the process and saying, you know, they that he that he looks strong and feels strong. And Mike Schultz said today he's been playing catch. He's been doing long toss uh, rather aggressively, is the, is what Mike Schultz said. And so, if he's if he's doing those things, the Cardinals are are content right now to believe that he's going to be able to continue progressing. It just may be, you know, speculating here. The calendar could come into play where it's like, okay, you may not be ready for the opening day roster if we don't start to see the ramp up happening. An interview that John Mozeliak did on KMOX Sunday morning uh, kind of said something to that effect where it's like, you know, we, we, we're going to kind of have to see this moving in a positive direction if we're going to have an eye on opening day. Makes total sense. Understandable that Cardinals fans are are you know looking at this and saying I don't know something doesn't sound right yeah it does, it's not normal right like I don't think you can honestly sit here and pretend at this point that it's totally regular because when there's one guy in the group of starters that's having this situation it's obviously something notable it's something to keep an eye on and that's kind of what we've been saying and I said Sunday would be you know the bullpen for Sunday would be a big moment to kind of see how he performs and then how he's able to recover well it didn't happen and. There's a lot of reasons for that. Mike Schultz said again today that the aggression that he's been having with his long toss and playing catch, he said there's a difference between playing catch at, you know, just kind of going through the motions and really rearing back and getting after it. According to Mike, that, Mike Schultz, that's what was happening with Miles. He's been rearing back. He's been getting after it aggressively during these sessions. It just hasn't come off of a mound. And so they're working through to try to figure out uh, how they can get him on that, that next step. And that's supposed to be Wednesday now. So, um, wait and see what happens on Wednesday if he's able to have that session. He, it's totally possible that he continues on a path forward toward opening day, toward early April, where he's able able to join the rotation uh, on somewhat of a, a regular schedule. You know, he won't be one of the first two or three or four guys probably, but if he can be that number five guy, if from here on out he doesn't have any pain, he doesn't have any soreness, and is able to start ramping up, then he could be in a, a decent spot. And the Cardinals would love to see that because – he was a workhorse for them in that first year that he was with the Cardinals. And even even in 2019, he was able to, to log a lot of innings uh, with a little bit higher of an ERA. Not quite as uh, phenomenal of a performance when he had a 2.83 ERA in 2018. That was great. Uh, but he could be, we've talked about it. He could be a very viable number three in the rotation of a, of a very competitive team and the, and the kind of guy that gives you quality start one after another. And the Cardinals would just love to be able to see him get back because if it's something that's going to push him back and set him back and see him miss time once again, you really gotta, you really would not like to see that situation. Talking about going on 18 months, really, since initially having some injury problems and then thinking that you solved it with the forearm, but then maybe if something crops up with the shoulder. So, gonna have to wait and see on Michaelis, and and really, it's the the proof will be in the pudding. It's. They, we can talk about it. We can ask Mike Schilt about it, and we can ask Mosaic about it, and and try and you know guess or deduce what might be going on behind the scenes. But ultimately, the, the, the it will show out in whether or not he's able to to take the steps necessary to get ramped up for the opening day roster. So, going to be interesting to see on that front. But we can talk about some starting pitching news that's a little bit more positive. Adam Wainwright went out on Sunday, and he just did his thing once again, folks. Um, gets another outing. This time he's going for three innings as they, they kind of start to stretch out the starters a little bit more. Wayno goes for three, through 44 pitches to get through the three. He did allow a run for the first time this spring, but it really wasn't his fault. The wind at Roger Dean Stadium today was pretty ridiculous. 
blowing from left to right pretty consistently. You could see the flags were always whipping in that direction. And so when you get a fly ball to right field, it would be kind of an adventure. As the game went along, you got to tell, okay, this, this ball is going to carry further than the fielder probably thinks it will. And so they had to kind of adapt and adjust. And it burned Dylan Carlson in the first inning when that happened because, it. I mean, you know, it. he took a step in on a ball that hit the wall off of Jose Altuve's bat. So Altuve ended up at third. The next one was another weird one to right field that Carlson was able to catch, but he sailed the throw home. I don't think even a, a, a dead-on letter perfect throw might have gotten Altuve at the plate on, on the sacrifice fly, but um, it, it was high and it had some mustard on it, but sailed the throw, and so that ended up being a run for the Astros, and Wainwright didn't give up anything else, not even a single base runner other than that, and he struck out five in the game. So... For Adam Wainwright to strike out five guys in only three innings, still only throw 44 pitches. I mean, if you double that, call it a six-inning outing, if he's K-10 and throwing only 88 pitches for six innings, that's a pretty hefty pace. I mean, he's talked about he's not really a strikeout guy because if he's getting that many strikeouts, it's probably because he's getting too deep into counts and he's not able to get the kind of soft contact to get through innings quick. He's talked about wanting to be an efficient guy. Um... 44 pitches for three innings. That's perfectly fine on the efficiency meter, though. Uh, Didn't throw as many strikes in that first inning in particular. For the day, he had 27 strikes, 17 balls to get to the 44. And he was getting squeezed a little bit in the first inning. You could kind of tell that he was just around the plate and heard some moans and groans from the crowd on a couple of calls that maybe could have gone either way. Kind of hard to tell when I'm not directly behind home plate in the press box here. But certainly it looked like he was not wild or anything, just maybe found a, a few pitches to get into his groove. But once he did, boy, oh boy, did he do so. Uh, uh, once again, five strikeouts. So Wainwright, I think is going to, as long as he stays healthy, he's going to have a really good season for the Cardinals. He's going to do what he did last year. And he was a godsend for this team last year, leading them in innings, a consistent presence, a guy you didn't have to worry about, even with the COVID protocols and everything weird that happened to the team. You didn't have to worry about, well, could this guy go five or six or seven innings, or do we have to kind of put a pitch count on him and and take it easy a little bit? Wainwright was not a guy that you had to take it easy with, and the Cardinals benefited from at least having one guy in the rotation that could be that guy and could be the stopper to some losing streaks. And when they had those seven-inning doubleheaders and he was scheduled to pitch in one of the games, he was probably going seven innings. Like, that's the way it just ended up being last year for Wayno and I think you could expect more of the same, especially the way that he looks right now. He's just going about his business physically, feels good, looks good. Uh, you know, talking to him, you can hear in his voice, you know, he's he's still in a great place where, uh, you know, there have been times in the past in his career that he's been very open about where he just, it was a more of a battle and a grind. And, and right now it's it, he's making it look easy. So uh, really great to, to see Wayno in a spot physically where he's able to go out and do what he did. And I just... Took a, took a step back a little bit this morning when, or I guess it was still the afternoon, 1, 1 o'clock Eastern is when the game got underway. 107, I think, was first pitch. But just seeing Yachty and Wayno go out for warm-ups before the game, it was like, man, you don't know how many times you're going to get to see this again. So I just kind of took a moment and watched every warm-up pitch and thought, you know, it's, it's just a, a cool thing to see those two still together doing their thing after all these years. And, uh, you know, Wayno only got three innings, but... Speaking of Yachty, the rest of the regulars for the Cardinals played quite a bit today. I mean, I think I th- Yachty, I know, took three at-bats or three plate appearances because he went 0-2 but did have a walk. 
but pretty much everybody in the lineup got three opportunities to bat, and so they were playing all the way through the seventh inning, which I thought was kind of interesting. Um, something asked Tyler O'Neill about, and he said, you know, they, they liked the schedule and the program that they've been on, but it was nice today to be able to, you know, the staff's doing a great job kind of knowing when to, to, to ramp things up for these guys, and so they end up all getting three plate appearances today, all the starters, and O'Neill definitely made the most of his going two for three, uh, with uh, had a base hit in the sixth inning, which was actually the first Cardinals hit. It took him a while. I know they won this game 8-5, to five, but it took him a while to get things going offensively. Uh, but when they did, they took advantage of the opportunities they were given. You know, they hit, they hit some balls hard. Talked about the wind. Arenado had one that Mike Schilt was convinced, and off the bat, I sure was convinced that it would have been his first home run of the spring, his first homer as a Cardinal, but it was dead to left. That was not the place you want to hit a fly ball today. Uh, hitting it to right was the, the name of the game, and that's what Tyler O'Neill did uh, in his third at-bat. Had ducks on the pond, hit one deep to right, and it it was one of those, you know, off the bat, like, oh, he got some of that. But I said instantly, I said, this ball's gone, because with the way the wind was going, it was that predictable. Like, once you got that deep into the game, you knew anything to right field, it was going to get more mustard on it than it maybe. Uh, deserved and not to say that he didn't deserve this homer because like I said off the bat I knew it was a pretty good poke but the fact that it was the wind was blowing that direction there's just no way and it was it was pretty good after the game uh, Tyler was diplomatic about it when somebody asked him you know would that would that have been gone with the wind uh, without the wind and you know he kind of said you'd have to have to take a look at the the track man on that the data on that one to see what that would say but uh, he certainly put a good swing on it and right field was the the area you wanted to swing the bat toward today if you were going to hit a ball in the air and so he was able to get that home run really the first home run of the spring for somebody that you'd consider like a Cardinals regular because Nagowski hit one Ali Sanchez had one uh, I believe Rondon had one and other than that, I don't know how many homers there have been, but I don't think any of them before today had been by someone that you would project potentially for the everyday lineup. And O'Neill, Gold Glover last year in left field, offensively didn't have the season that he would have liked. The batting average has got to come up. He's been a little better this spring, though, especially after a two-for-three day this afternoon. So across the board, though, offensively for the Cardinals, uh, it looked a little trying early on. I, I made a note of it on Twitter. You don't want to overreact as you're watching a game and, and, you know, Cardinals are having several innings in a row that aren't going so great offensively. You don't want to overreact. And, oh, this team stinks. I mean, I know the, the inclination of, of people watching and you get on social media and it it's you're going to ride the highs and the lows and you're going to feel everything, even in a spring training game. And that's what's so great about fandom, by the way. I'm not trying to ridicule anybody for, you know, having reactions to, to the game. Like, everybody can experience – their, their fandom the way they want, in my opinion. And sometimes, you know, if I think, oh, I don't, you know, agree with this or whatever, I'll, I'll and we're going back and forth on Twitter, I'll say, yeah, I don't really agree with that. But, you know, most of the time I'll try to be respectful. And sometimes if I'm not, then I'll probably come back to you later and apologize. Say, yeah, I was being a dick. I'm sorry about that. But my point in all this is to say that early in this game, the Cardinals, they didn't look good. And I, I made the comment on Twitter where I said they've been swinging at balls and, and letting strikes go. And it was just like every at-bat was almost backwards, where I'm like, okay, that's a ball in the dirt. They swung through it. That's a pitch they took they might have been able to do something with. But now they're down 0-2, and you're, you're playing from behind. So that's a really difficult way to, to hit. It's a spring training game. You don't want to overanalyze it. But I was just noticing that early in the game. I'm just like, yeah, this is you know no wonder they're, they're kind of struggling early on. But they end up scoring a run in the sixth. Four in the seventh and three in the eighth to win the game eight to five. Uh, overall, honestly, they took good plate appearances. They took good at bats. 
there were some approaches early on that I said, I just think they're getting a little bit behind, you know, in their head a little too much. When you swing at a first pitch ball and then the second pitch is over the plate for strike two and you take it, it's you just you're playing a little bit from behind. But I think they straightened things out. They took several walks. They took their walks where they could get them. Edmund got one. Uh, Rondon, Goldschmidt, Justin Williams, Edmundo Sosa, Molina took one, and Max Moroff took one. So seven walks in the game. You like to see that. You don't like to see the nine strikeouts. They've been kind of boomer bust this spring, to be honest. I mean, there have been, there've been some hard-hit balls, which you really like to see. Talk about Lane Thomas. He's a guy who, coming into today, hadn't – let me make sure I phrase this properly. Every time he put the ball in play prior to today, it was for a base hit. There was not one time that he put the ball in play and he didn't get a hit on it. Today, that streak was broken um, because he did had, had one that was – um, really should have been a base hit because he hit it at 105.6, but it was a grounder right to the shortstop. Should have actually been a double play ball, but they sailed the throw to first base wide. He ends up on second base where I, I tweeted out he deserved to be on second base because he hit that ball so hard. But that's the name of the game. Sometimes you don't have that kind of luck. But before today, he's been hitting the ball hard. He's been getting rewarded for it. And today he had another at mat where he hit the ball hard, but he also struck out again. Um, you know, he was like five for 10, I think before, but had five strikeouts. And so while I think Lane is somebody that you should be keeping an eye on and praising for the performances early in the spring, because of how many, you know, he's leading the team in hits had been leading them in on base percentage. I don't know about it at this point, um, based on the, the over three day, but again, one of those balls was stung, could have been rewarded for that, but wasn't. Um, but also defensively, he just looks like himself again. Like he came up as a guy who was considered a plus fielder and could field at any of the positions. And for the last few days, we have not seen Harrison Bader. And we found out from Mike Schilt this morning. And the reason for that has been that he's dealing with something of a forearm issue that only impacts him really when he's trying to throw. And so he hasn't been throwing, trying to ease off of that, but has been getting his work in and I believe still taking swings and, and at-bats on the backfields and things like that. So they're hopeful that he'll be back for Tuesday's game, which is going to be over in Port St. Lucie, I believe. They're going to take on the Mets that night or day. I think it's a day game. At any rate, Bader should be in the lineup on Tuesday if all things progress as they're supposed to. And if he's not in there, then we'll certainly have questions about that and try to figure out what his situation with his forearm is. You know, Michael has had the forearm last year. Now his forearm supposedly supposed to be better, but the shoulders may be acting up, and we'll see about Harrison Bader. Uh, certainly Bader's got a strong arm, guy that, you know, plus fielder out there in center field, but uh, if he can't throw because of the health thing, that's going to be something they're going to have to monitor, and hopefully uh, the kind of easing back as he has for the last few days. Hasn't been in the lineup since March 2nd. Today's March 7th, and so it will have been a full week, really, since he would have been in a game. Hopefully that will allow him time to kind of heal up the little barking issue uh, that has been going on with his forearm. That's the way Mike Schilt described it, a barking forearm. I like the, the terminology that was used today. But I, I dive into that on Bader and kind of cover the bases there uh, as, as a way to introduce kind of the topic of Lane Thomas, center field. Uh, that's where he's been playing. You know, he's been in the lineup with Bader out. Certainly, you know, Carlson, I think, has had a start there in center field. They're not afraid to put Tyler O'Neill there. You know, Mike Schultz said today he could play that spot. Go Glover in left. He could play center. But Lane has been a guy that's been out there and, and getting a lot of run in center field. That's where he was on Sunday. And he made two really good catches out there to where last year, you know, there was conversation about 
after he had the, the COVID virus and he came back and he just didn't quite look like himself and was looking. I mean, the, the word I would have used at the time was lackadaisical defensively. And that's just not his personality as a player. And so it really, I think, goes to show a little bit what COVID can, can do to some of these people and the way that everybody's body is going to respond differently in the aftermath of, of having something like that. And he talked about it today that he didn't really feel like he had symptoms that were very strong when he had the virus. But after the fact, he just felt fatigued and tired and like still thought, you know, it was a, a new phenomenon to him. So he thinks, yeah, I can help this team. I can come back and, you know, I'm going to shake this off. And he never really shook it off. And it, it was kind of a, a difficult stretch for him. But now he says had a great off season, you know, working out, getting stronger, back to where he expects himself to be, and I think already that's showing in the field for Lane Thomas. So uh, really interesting to see kind of how he's progressing. I know it kind of feels like he's pigeonholed right now into the idea that he'll be the fourth outfielder rather than somebody that can get regular starts. But I think if he continues to perform, you're going to see him have to force the issue, and, and, and Mike Schild will have to give him some opportunities, especially if there are guys elsewhere in that outfield mix that aren't performing. So all Lane needs to do is continue to do what he's done because he's looked really good. Uh, would love to have you check out my story that I wrote on him yesterday at KMOV.com. If you go to KMOV.com slash sports, you'll probably find it because it's one of the more recent sports articles on on the site about Lane Thomas. So just kind of what he's been able to accomplish so far this spring and and looking to be able to build on that moving forward. So that'll kind of wrap up the conversation on him, though. Looking elsewhere at the box score, Libertor, Matthew Libertor had an outing on Sunday. Didn't really go so perfect. Uh, he got he got hit around a little bit and had some trouble with command. Gave up three walks in an inning and a third. Gave up a couple of hits and, and only one earned run, so that ends up being good. Uh, Tommy Parsons really deserves some credit for that, though. He comes in in relief. Ends up throwing one and two-thirds innings and striking out one, giving up nothing. No walks, no hits, no nothing. Uh, really impressive job so far this spring from Tommy Parsons, somebody that I don't think at all would have been on the roster radar, but you see the way that he's performing as kind of like the mop-up guy, having the ability to come in in the middle of innings. Like, he's not part of the pitching plan, and if guys don't blow up, he's he, maybe he doesn't get to go that day. I guess I can't say that for sure because the pitching plans have been a little bit fluid, but Parsons, uh, Tommy Parsons consistently has been one of those guys that comes in for a starter who has not been able to go deep enough. And believe me, that's happened plenty of times this spring. Libertor probably was supposed to go a couple of innings, ends up only going one and a third, and Parsons cleans up and, and gets an inning and two-thirds for himself. So really nice job. And then Jake Woodford, uh, we saw him for a couple of innings as well, had a couple of Ks and and a walk, but no hits allowed. So a uh, couple of guys that I think could be interesting. I don't know that you see Tommy Parsons make this roster. I don't know if they'll want to use him as a starter uh, in the minor leagues. Probably so. That's what he's done before. But I, he could be an interesting name like down the road uh, if he continues to perform like this for some consideration for a midseason call-up when, when the Cardinals are in a pinch and need somebody to maybe throw out of the bullpen. I think normally guys that are starters, you don't really think about taking them out of the minor league rotation to bring them up. But I, I like what you, you know, you got to like what you've seen out of him being able to come in in the middle of innings and get your team out of a jam when you need to. So he's definitely making an impression and making the most of his opportunities. So good to see. Uh, not a great day for Seth Elledge. Just had one out recorded, gave up three runs, three walks. You don't like to see that kind of command. But uh, again, early in spring, might be able to shake things off. Uh, Jesus Cruz had to come in in the ninth to take over for Elledge to get that inning finished because the Cardinals were up 8-2, to two, and then it's like, you know, you don't like to see guys walking guys in the ninth inning. 
uh, when you're trying to get out of there, especially in a spring training game. Well, I guess not especially in a spring training game. You really don't want to see it during a regular season game because uh, that one actually counts for the standings. But we're going to wrap things up here for this edition of B-Shape Daily. I appreciate you guys, as always, for joining along for the ride. Make sure to subscribe to the show if you've not done so already. You can find us at Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, all the rest. Head over to anchor.fm slash bshafer12 for more information on the platforms at uh, which we are available. So appreciate you guys once again. We'll try to come at you with an episode on Monday, probably after the game. Get one out Monday night, but hopefully you all can listen to this one on your Monday morning commute or whenever the heck you like to listen to podcasts. Appreciate it once again, and we'll talk to you next time.